Waiting is this moment's truth. Contentment is life's only solace. Faith, hope, and love must suffice to strengthen the hearts of those who wait. Waiting is life on a journey of trust. What is unknown to us is known to God. The past, the present, and the future. He is intimately acquainted with all of our ways. Waiting is anticipation of what will be. Things are sure to change. What we are and how we think is incomplete and always will be. Waiting is reality on a walk into the unknown. God guides our steps and keeps our hopes from stumbling while we wait for what will be. I wrote those words uh, in a season of waiting about six or seven years ago. As I was preaching, I'd break out in a a cold sweat, and there were times when I felt faint, and in the afternoons at work, I I just felt tired, unusually tired, and I've never had any health issues, and and so uh, I was wondering what's going on in my life, what's going on in my body, and maybe you've been there, maybe you've had that kind of experience. Uh, It was a little different for me, I suppose, because... uh, my doctor was a member of the church, and she sat in front of me and, and watched everything. You know, if I coughed, she'd come up and ask if I was okay. And, and not only that, the CEO of St. Luke's Hospital was also a member of the church and was also attuned to my medical situation. So those two talked. And, and the immediate past president of St. Luke's Hospital was also a member who's still involved with all the doctors at St. Luke's. In fact, called almost all of them uh, to their position. So within a day, I was sitting at that in the offices of the head of medicine. I mean, not just, not just a doc, the head of medicine of all of St. Luke's. And a battery of tests ensued. You know, everything from some form of cancer, leukemia, tuberculosis. Just every test you can imagine. And uh, everybody made time for me. And, and we waited. The staff waited with me, too. We waited to find out what was going on. And, and uh, it was a rather innocuous uh, result. It, it just said that you have adult onset mononucleosis. Who would have guessed? You know, a guy my age. Uh, and they said, it's very rare, but here's the deal. When it, when it hits you at this age, uh, you can be sick for two years like this. You can have these symptoms for two years. Or here's another idea. You could take like two or three months off, work half days, and you'll get well. And uh, I thought, wow, what do I do? What do I do? You know. But the staff said, you're going home. And so they would force me to go home and take a nap in the middle of the day you know, for a couple months. And so we were in that season of waiting. And it's, uh, it's tough, you know, until the thing resolves itself. But it's not unusual. It happens to all of us. And, and you're probably in some form of waiting just now. Whether it's a job application or, or a pursuit of a change in your career, you're in the middle of waiting. You don't know how that's going to resolve yet. Maybe it's a legal outcome or a a custody battle. Uh, Maybe a medical diagnosis like I underwent, pretty common. A college application, you know, waiting to see, you know, what opportunities are going to present. A promotion, the effects of a merger, maybe estimates on a home repair that you kind of dread or a car repair and you you know something's going to have to be done and you're kind of waiting to say, how much is this going to cost? 
Maybe it's an insurance claim or, or maybe you've been waiting to get pregnant and you just don't know what's going on here or an adoption process. Countless issues that we must wait on. And we typically make these things personal. We typically say, so what's going on between, you know, God and me? You know, why, why am I forced to wait? As, as though somehow I'm being, you know, tested or, or, or punished by the Lord. As though something may be askew between the Lord and myself. But i got to tell you, even the great heroes of the Bible, if, if you read the Bible from Genesis to Revelation, you'll find that the great you know, leaders of the Bible, the, the ones that we look to and, and draw our life examples from, had to wait. Take David, for instance. We know that he was anointed to be king of Israel when he was just a shepherd boy. You remember how Saul's leadership had failed and God told Samuel, the prophet of the day, go down to Bethlehem. We're about to celebrate Christmas. It's called the city of David. That's where David was living with Jesse, his father. Go down to Bethlehem, Samuel, and anoint for me a new king over all of Israel. And so uh, Jesse brought all of his sons. Some of them were strong, already in the army, capable leaders. And, and uh, the first one came forward, Eliab. And Samuel was just like moved and said, I'm in the presence of the one that the Lord has chosen. And God whispered in Samuel's ear, not him. And, and that famous passage that we all know that, you know, man looks at the outward appearance, but God looks at the heart. God looks at the heart. And, and after all of his sons had passed, Samuel said, none of these. You must have another son. He goes, well, you know, the, sh- the kid out keeping the sheep. He said, well, we will not sit down and celebrate until he comes. And so they brought David in. Now, I don't know how old David was when he was first anointed, you know, 12, 15. I don't, I don't know. But he was anointed then as a child to be king. But he wasn't anointed the second time to actually be king. And then, even then, only over Hebron, the southern tribes, at age 30. So say he was 15 when he was first anointed. And he was on the lamb for most of that time because Saul was pursuing him, trying to kill him. Because Saul knew that God had been with him. Uh, the battle of Goliath had taken place. And, and David was praised by all the people as the soon coming leader. They just sensed that God's hand was with him. And uh, even the people who were uh, out hiding with David, you know, his mighty men, they were saying, hey, David, we thought you were going to be king. Didn't God anoint you? Why don't, tell us that story again about Samuel. You know, and he had to endure that. Probably for 15, 17 years until anointed. And then not even over all of Israel. Only seven years later, 22 years perhaps, he waited until finally that promise was fulfilled in his life. So don't feel somehow abused if you are forced to wait. You know, we have reason to trust in the Lord. You know, he has come to be our savior. And we know that he is for us. So who can stand against us? You know, as we move towards Christmas, I pray that uh, God will renew unto you the joy of your salvation. Words of David in one of the Psalms. You know, or, or if you just consider this a, a beautiful and nostalgic story and just like the Grinch or, or uh, the Christmas tales or some other Christmas story, it's just right up there as one of the beautiful stories, but you're not so sure of the veracity or the truth of that story. I pray that you'll just open your heart and let God speak to you. You know, as you see the stories, and we're about to read 
about some, some people, some ordinary people like you and like I, Elizabeth, Zechariah, Mary, Joseph. I hope that you'll see in God choosing these people that he has also chosen you. You are his child. These are not, you know, some Greek legends or, or Roman myths or some Marvel characters. These are normal people. And in that there is power. That God has chosen normal people to do extraordinary things. You are God's child. He is your father. And he wants to welcome you home this Christmas. Well, let's take a look at the story of Mary after the Annunciation, after she had been told that she was going to have a baby and he was going to be conceived by God and he was going to be the, the son of God. He was going to be Jesus, the savior of the world. That's what his name means. Then she went down to see Elizabeth. And that's where we jump off today. It's a story of God's purpose in waiting. And it's also a story of waiting well. And uh, we all need that. From Luke chapter 1 beginning at verse 39. At that time, Mary got ready and hurried to a town in the hill country of Judea. Where she entered Zechariah's home. And she greeted there her kinswoman, Elizabeth, who is quite elderly. Who is going to be the mother of John the baptizer who was going to precede Jesus as the prophet to prepare the people for the coming of the Savior. And that too is another miraculous story. You can read about that in the earlier verses. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby, John, leaped in her womb. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. And in a loud voice she exclaimed, Blessed are you among women. And blessed is the child that you will bear. But why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord... Interesting phrase, isn't it? Mary had just conceived, had just had that visitation. Elizabeth carrying her own child in her own womb. And yet, she's called already the mother of my Lord. Why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord should come to me? As soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb... My womb leaped for joy. You know, the the Holy Spirit had fallen on Elizabeth, had fallen on John to be in the presence of the Lord. Blessed is she who has believed that the Lord would fulfill his promises to her. And Mary said, my soul indeed just is amazed. I, I glorify the Lord. And my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. You know, there are those who uh, rationalize that Mary must have been a perfect person to give birth to a perfect child. But clearly her perfection was something that God gave her. You know, he was going to be her savior as well as ours. And my spirit rejoices in God, my savior. For he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. He knew where I lived. He's uh, been watching over me. And from now on, generations shall indeed call me favored or blessed. For the mighty one. Has done great things for me and holy is his name. His mercy extends to those who fear him. From generation to generation. He has performed. Notice that Mary is passive and God is active in all of these uh, descriptions. That God is doing this to her. That she hasn't somehow qualified herself. But God in his grace and mercy has, has made her special and will stand with her and, and bring about the salvation of the world through her. He has performed mighty deeds with his arms. He has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. He has brought down rulers from their thrones, but has lifted up 
the humble. Boy, there's hope for us. He has filled the hungry with good things, but he has sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, just as he's promised our ancestors. In the waiting, whatever your season of waiting, Mary was in a season of waiting too. Elizabeth was in a season of waiting. In the waiting, you should embrace the pace. For waiting is God's standard operating procedure. It, it, it truly is. It's the way God does things. In, in fact, people had waited for this moment since the first promise was made to Adam and Eve. You know, uh, at that time when he said, a son will come forth. And, and he said he's going to crush the head of the serpent. Oh, he will be wounded. His heel will be bruised. But he will destroy evil. And from that time forward, we can chart all the promises that were made for several thousand years until this moment. And everyone was waiting. Everyone was looking. Why? Do you think God couldn't have done that immediately? But in the waiting, there is an anticipation. And in the waiting, there is hope. It's not something to be endured. It's something to be embraced. It's something to understand that this is to my favor. This is to my blessing that God would have me wait. Even in Mary and Joseph, who, who were blessed among people, even Elizabeth and Zechariah, also blessed, had to wait without a lot of information about how all this would resolve. But in the waiting was anticipation. And in anticipation, there is hope. And the Bible says, hope does not disappoint us. In fact, I love this season. I, I love that the church still honors Advent, you know, from that time of Thanksgiving. You know, despite what the stores try to do to us, you know, we, we try to say, okay, we're going to have to wait now. And we decorate our homes and, and we get our kids together and we bake cookies and, and we make soup and we bake bread. And we, we do things that take time. You could buy all of that at the store. But it wouldn't be the same. You know, as, as we wait, as we anticipate, you put the presents out and the kids come and shake them and, and you, you force them to wait. It builds the anticipation. There's value in the waiting not just in the resolve. Pregnancy takes nine months. And even as you heard our guest artist talk about uh, he and his wife waiting in expectation for their first child, it's God's intention that we wait. In her Magnificat, Mary said, uh, he has filled the hungry with good things. It's good to be hungry. It's good to anticipate. And so many had anticipated this day, this coming of Jesus for many, many years. And, and the Lord was about to satisfy their thirst for the spiritual answer, the Savior of the whole world that would be Jesus Christ. I love this passage that calls hope the anchor of our soul. And I, I pray that that's what you see in your waiting, this anticipation, uh, not knowing yet what God will do. We take hold of the hope offered to us. That we may be greatly encouraged. We have hope as an anchor for our soul. It's firm and it's secure. It forces us to trust in the goodness of God who has loved us from the beginning of time and, and who has fulfilled all of his promises throughout the scripture. You know, there is blessing in the waiting as we embrace the pace. But as we are in the waiting, it's also good to ponder God's purpose. Think about the fact that this is 
God's way of doing things. We see it even in nature. It was God who created the seasons and also creates the seasons of your life. There's a passage that urges us to be patient. It says, consider the farmer who must wait for the early and the late rains. So you too be patient. You know, even nature allows for a dormant season. You know, a season of waiting, a season of reflection. You know, my grandparents were all farmers. And and I know that uh, they were very, very busy in the summer and in the fall making the harvest. and, And then there were repairs to be made. And there was a different season in the winter. And then preparing the ground in the spring. Even the thawing, the freezing of the ground, God prepares the earth for new things. He stirs the soil. He makes the sap flow. You know, God has designed seasons of waiting. You know, we need to rest at the end of the day. And at the end of the week, we need some time off. It's just the way God has established life. That there is waiting. Not something to be endured, but something to be understood and something to be embraced in the waiting Ponder God's purpose. This passage most of us have heard before. And it's such a powerful verse. It just jumps out of Psalm 46. Just be still and know that I am God. And in the rest of that scripture, he says God can do anything. He can cause wars to cease. But just wait. Be still and think about what this means. Now, God chose Mary. He chose Zachariah and Elizabeth. We wouldn't even know these people's names if God had not chosen them. And Mary said he was aware of the humble state of his maidservant, you know, he knew where I lived. He reached a long way away from Jerusalem, 100 miles as the crow flies, as your GPS would say, or 120 miles if you follow the road. You know, it was, but he knew she was there. And I think, well, why did he choose her? Not because she was perfect. She needed God, my Savior is about to be born. But I, but I think this characteristic of Mary is powerful. You know, she pondered, even when the angel greeted her and said, uh, Mary, highly favored one. The Bible tells us, that she said, I wonder what kind of greeting this was. You know, why am I highly favored? She was a thoughtful person. We were told that after the shepherds left and they talked about the angels who had visited them in the fields, that Mary pondered what all of this might mean. And then later when they bring uh, baby Jesus up to the temple because they, they recognized the first of everything, even the first child belonged to God, and, and they went there as, a, as an act of uh, worship to redeem their child and present an offering. And an old man, Simeon, took the baby in his arms and blessed him and then spoke words to Joseph and Mary. And it says, and she pondered what all of this meant. You know, she was a thoughtful person. I hope that in this season of your waiting, that you're not just enduring it, but you're wondering and you're waiting expectantly for why. You know, why are you waiting? What is, what is God doing in you? And what is God doing for you during this time of waiting? Because this is sure... The journey is for your benefit. God knows the outcome. The past, the present, and the future are the same to him. He doesn't need more time to work it out. You know, the waiting is intentional. And this journey, this time of waiting, uh, is a time for your growth. So in the waiting, we can also benefit from seeking the support of others. I love that that uh, Mary went down to be with Elizabeth. And, and they had this period of waiting. They had these three months of waiting together. I remember on my internship, 
after two years of uh, seminary, after college, you go to seminary, you do two years, and then you're assigned an internship under a seasoned pastor. And, and I, was in, uh, I was assigned to Minnesota. I had actually been assigned somewhere else first, but uh, the pastor in Minnesota, who was a well-known pastor and, and very capable man, had suffered a heart attack. And, and so they quick adjusted things, and they sent me up to be his help. And I remember his wife was struggling uh, with the fact that we have come to help these people, and it was hard for her to receive help from them. And I, I remember uh, her, her husband, my pastor, saying, there is a ministry in letting others minister to you. You know, if there's a time of waiting for you, if you're struggling. And in my men's group last week, there was a guy who's, who's dealing with something, and, and, and just before we broke up after our study, he says, hey, something I want you to pray for me about. And I, I just, I saw him last night at worship. I just said, I so admire your transparency in that, that you invited us in. You know, most of us have too much pride. We seclude ourselves. And uh, God would encourage us, you know, and, and through Mary's example here, to be blessed by involving others in our weight. People of faith. You know, Elizabeth was a, a lady of faith. And, and, and the The difference, too, in her perspective, her life situation, she was an older lady. Mary was a younger lady. Just think of the the dynamic that occurred here. Elizabeth, who was quite elderly, having a child, certainly benefited from the physicality of, of Mary. And Mary must have also benefited from the maturity and the spiritual seasoning of Elizabeth as as they shared during this time. So in your season of waiting. God intends that we would not forsake the assembling together as is the habit of some. And I know when you're struggling, you tend to seclude, you tend to back away. And God says, no, embrace. There is benefit to embracing uh, others in your season of waiting. But in the waiting, it's also helpful to make yourself useful. Mary got ready and hurried to the country of Judea and stayed with Elizabeth Uh, for three months. You know, if Elizabeth was six months pregnant and Mary stayed with her for three months, she probably stayed until the baby was born and other people in the village came in to help. Mary was making herself useful. In your season of waiting, I I hope that you see the value of doing that. And I'm not talking about sitting and fretting. I'm not talking about feeling sorry for yourself. I'm not talking about just, uh, you know, wallowing in your confusion. I'm talking about getting busy. I'm talking about stepping out and finding ways to be useful until God resolves the waiting, being of service to each other. In fact, I'm entering a season of waiting now, and and I know some other folks are as well. And and in fact, uh, somebody came up after service last night, and he says, I kind of think of my season as like Christmas. You know, I'm just waiting to see what the surprise will be. You know, and, and I'm kind of like that too. But in, in the meanwhile, you know, I, I've engaged myself with Lutheran Hour Ministries. I'm doing some things for them, and, and, and that's been useful to them, and it's been beneficial to me, and I think uh, beneficial to the people I'm visiting across the country. I've been invited to, to write a book, and, and so I'm engaging in that, and I'm forever in a rehab project. In, in, in fact, uh, we, had, we had some break in the weather and we had some nice warm days uh, recently. And, and so I was out uh, putting that self-leveling cock in the, because my expansion joints were all shot in the driveway. And uh, I remember uh, Carol had picked up our granddaughter from school and she come home and she steps out of the car and says, Papa, are you ever just still? <laughs> it just amused me that she observes that we're, we're always busy. You know, we're always doing something. 
But I think that's God's intention as we wait, that we don't just sit and stew, that we get busy, that we stay busy during this season of life. Now, this is an incredible uh, time. It's, it's, a, it's a time of mystery and wonder. And I love that about Christmas. I, I truly do. And, and I pray that uh, you allow this season of miracles and Mary and Joseph anticipating what God was about to do to also be your attitude towards life. I love this song, although uh, for many, many years I, I didn't know why it was I wonder as I wonder or I wonder as I wonder when in fact there are two different words here. I wonder as I wonder. I hope that you do that. I hope you're expecting, you're anticipating and you're wondering and, and you're prepared for God to reveal to you why you are wandering out under the sky. How Jesus the Savior did come forth to die for poor ordinary people like you and like I. I wonder as I wander out under the sky. It's a great thing, you know, to, to not have an immediate result uh, to your waiting. That God would allow you to wonder that God would increase your faith, that God would keep you expectant, and that you would enjoy the juice, the moment of this season, and see it as a blessing, not as a trial. Amen. Let's pray. Gracious Lord, I thank you for seasons of waiting. I thank you for seasons. I thank you for fall and, and what that means in the harvest, but, but also the dormant season of winter. Uh, when people sit back and they do repairs and they prepare for the next season that you will reveal. They have to wait like the farmer. Lord, uh, help us to embrace the wait. Help us not to be impatient, but help us to enjoy the moment, to love the wait. We pray it in Christ Jesus. Amen.